Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Murder in Illinois is a production of iHeartRadio. 14 years later, it's still difficult to imagine oneself on either side of this tragic coin. Whether you lost your loved ones to murder or you also believed your loved one had been wrongfully convicted of those murders, there would be pain, anger, and bitterness. As reporter Erica Worst aptly put it, No one's going to get what they want, which is their loved one's back. Here's Gail Vaughn. I got a phone call about noon, a personal phone call, from a lady from the Sun-Times, I believe. And she was interviewing me on how Kim intermingled with the family. And it was like, well, where did this call come from? And she says, oh, didn't you hear? They were killed. And it was like, turn on the news. So yeah, uh, I I told her I couldn't talk any longer. And and I I went to the TV and I called my husband. And I, I was just, I, I was going 60 directions, but I wasn't going anywhere. It was just, I didn't know how to react. I just sat on the floor for a few minutes and just, and so my sister came up from downstairs where she'd been staying and uh, she says, what, what are you doing sitting on the floor? And I says, my family's been killed. Gail called me after the reporter called her. She told me that there was one survivor, but she didn't know who it was. So I tried calling Chris a couple times on his phone, tried calling Kim on her phone, I believe once. And I tracked down his office number and talked to them. 
finally I had somebody tell me, no, he, he did not show up for work that day. Um, as far as I know, he had took, taken a vacation day. Pierre immediately began to feel a mixture of fear and panic. I thought somebody had to do this to them. I didn't believe it was within the family. And I was very angry. And my mind was racing about 100 miles a minute because I was at work. I just kept calling back and forth. And, and I finally called Gail back and said, I cannot get a hold of it. Well, she called me back not too long after that. And evidently, Mrs. Phillips had called her and asked her if she'd seen the news. And Mrs. Phillips told her that um, it was Chris and Kim's truck. And Kimberly was in the front seat and the children in the back. And they believed them all to be dead. I'm Lauren Bright Pacheco, and this is Murder in Illinois. The Vaughn family had loaded into their SUV and left their Oswego home before 4.45 a.m. At approximately 5.15 a.m., a passing motorist would stop to render assistance to Christopher Vaughn, who was found limping along the frontage road of Interstate 55. He'd been shot twice. Ten minutes later, first responders would find the rest of his family inside their SUV. Like Vaughn, each of the three children had been shot twice. The body of their mother, Kimberly Vaughn, was slumped in the passenger seat, a single gunshot wound under her chin and a nine-millimeter Taurus handgun at her feet. Almost immediately, the scene of the murders would be broadcast as breaking and heartbreaking news. Gail's sister Rose vividly remembers that fateful morning. Yep. We have a large property. I, at the time, had commercial greenhouses on our property. I was working outside, and I just came out of the barn, and my brother called me and told me. I came in the house, and of course, it was all over TV. Their bodies were found in the family vehicle parked near I-55 on a narrow path near a cell phone tower. His 34-year-old wife, Kimberly, along with their 12-year-old daughter, Abigail, 11-year-old daughter, Cassandra, and 8-year-old son, Blake, were found dead in their SUV that was parked on a frontage road just west of Interstate 55 in Shanahan. Did you jump to any conclusions or did you assume that it must have been a robbery? What were your initial thoughts? Do you remember? If I wouldn't have seen their car on TV, I wouldn't have expected it to be true. It was crazy. I had no idea. I literally had no idea. Because, of course, with the TV, they don't tell you anything. And if they do, you can't always believe anything they say. So I was just waiting to 
talk to my sister again, which we kept in contact to see exactly what the next step was, what, what we needed to do. I spoke to both of Chris's brothers, and nearly 15 years later, they both still remember the exact moment they heard the details of the news. Here's Adam Vaughn. At the time, um, I was based in Junction City, Kansas, working for a small biotech company. I got a call on my cell phone from my parents' number. They called and and let me know that there had been an accident and that they didn't have all the details yet. If I, I'm wanting to say that the initial story was that a an unknown shooter had had attacked them while they were pulled over on the side of the road or something, and it just all kind of spiraled from there. And I was able to quickly find some pictures online um, that were just disturbing. The the one that most vividly burned its image into my, my memory was an aerial shot from, I assume, a helicopter that was actually from an angle such that you could see Kimberly's form lying over in the front seat. Eric saw similar photos, and like his brother Adam, was in utter disbelief over the images. My dad called and told me to turn, turn on the news. So I pulled it up on my computer, and it was aerial helicopter footage of a wooded area with Chris and Kim's maroon Ford Expedition. Headlines were already flying at that point in time when it had just happened hours prior to that. I was really confused. I really kind of disbelief that something like that was happening, or it had happened. It definitely set me back on my rear. Uh, I sat there and watched the footage and tried getting a hold of my mom. Once the pictures started popping up on the news and everything, and my parents were able to figure out where Chris was at, they got in the truck and got up there to take care of him. Pierre picks it up from here. We tried getting a hold of the state police and everything like that, which were totally uncooperative. Finally, after all afternoon of pacing back and forth, I decided, let's go. We'll go physically find him. So we spent the next five and a half, six hours driving up there and finally tracked him down to a little state police station there. Here's Gail's take. After many calls to the police, made by myself and my husband, we received no answers. This continued throughout the morning and afternoon. June 14th. At 5.30 p.m., my husband and I decided to go to the State Police District 5 headquarters in Joliet. Gail and Pierre made that long drive with only one goal in mind, to find their son. Other than the location of the police station where Chris was being questioned, they still had no real information. 10, 10.30 at night, we arrived at the State Police headquarters asking to see Chris. They had no idea to the extent to which he was hurt or what kind of state he was in. And we went in and we told them the situation and they said, sure, have a seat. And we sat there for a couple of hours and then we were put in a room and it was recorded and they went through questions and everything. And each time, you know, we keep asking, how's Chris? Where is Chris? And they said, 
Well, he's here, but he's unavailable right now. That was our first indication. Gail and Pierre still hadn't spoken to their son or been given any official information about what had occurred. For Kimberly's family, things had been quite a bit different, and a lawyer, David Bush, was already speaking on behalf of the Phillips. I think he was just a family friend. I'm not sure how it came to be. But anyway, he seemed to handle all the interviews throughout, and he spoke for the Phillips. And he is where I got the information that the police had been to the Phillips home within two hours of this incident. That's like at 8 8 o'clock in the morning, 8.30. And that a grief counselor was on site. To reiterate, the Phillips were informed within hours of the tragedy by officers with the grief counselor in tow. The Vaughns found out through the press. Looking back, this seems to set the tone for how the public and law enforcement would view the crime from the beginning, foreshadowing the way they would both deal with Christopher's versus Kimberly's family. We were told that Chris was not a suspect and was helping the police try to make sense of what happened. They did not want to disturb him at this time. We would have to wait. And so they waited at the station, hoping for any information they could get about their son. Finally, an officer was willing to speak to them. First of all, they didn't even want to let us in. Then when we told them who we were, then a couple police officers came out and talked to us a little bit. And they said, well, you can't see him right now. We're we're questioning him in this and the other thing. And we asked him if he's been hurt. And he says, yes, he he was shot also. and he was taken to the hospital and treated, but he, he doesn't have life-threatening wounds. They made us wait in a waiting room for a while. And then uh, then they come back out and they said, can we talk to you? And they took us in a uh, closed room and talked to us and asked, started asking us all sorts of questions. And I said, is he being charged? Is he being charged? And they said, no, he's not being charged. I said, well, then we need to take him home. And then they said, well, no, he waived his right to an attorney. So we got to finish questioning him. But at the time he waived his right to an attorney, they hadn't told him the rest of his family was dead. We were then greeted by some plainclothes officers and ushered into a room. Richard Mullen began asking us questions, not really answering any of our questions. The interview with us ended and our Chris was still not available. We were assured by Agent Mullen that Christopher knew we were there and our cell phone number would be given to him. Christopher would give us a call when he was finished answering questions because he would need a ride home. Again, we were told Chris was free to go at any time. He was not a suspect. So this is what Pierre and Gail were left with. They now knew Chris had gunshot wounds and that he'd waived his right to an attorney. And they believed, at least at the time, he'd seemingly not been made aware of the fate of his wife and children. All we were doing is pressing them to see and talk to Chris. We just said, okay, well, we'll just sit in the waiting room. And they, I don't know, midnight or so, they Mm -hmm. said, look, you can't sit here and wait. We don't know how long it's going to be. We left the police station at 1.10 in the morning to look for a hotel after asking the police where a hotel could be found because we weren't 
familiar with this area. No call came from Christopher. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. By the morning, they'd still not heard anything from Christopher or the police. Friday, June 15th. We checked out of the hotel. We went through a fast food restaurant. We went back to the state police headquarters in Joliet. We were told Chris had asked to leave about 2 a.m. The police had called Chris a cab. The police said, they had no idea where he had gone. We drove back to Chris and Kim's house in Oswego, Illinois. Gail and Pierre thought that Chris's first instinct might have been to try to return home. So that's where they headed. A media circus was already building. There were many, many reporters and news trucks were in the cul-de-sac in front of Chris and Kim's house. We parked in a driveway to the right of Chris's house. Pierre rang the doorbell, knocked, peered inside. The house was dark. No one was home at Chris's. We were met by reporters there, and, you know, they, you know, wanted to know. The reporters wanted to know right off the bat uh, why Chris killed his family. 
that was our first question. You know, and, and where is he at? I don't know where he's at. You're a reporter. Do your job. Find out where he's at. And maybe you can tell us. And I got in the car and left. At this point, Gail and Pierre still had no word from Chris or the police. They desperately wanted to locate their son. And on top of it all, they were still processing the fact that their daughter-in-law and grandchildren were dead. There was grief and frustration and confusion all at once. It it was really surreal. I, I couldn't believe this had happened. Um, I hadn't really talked to anybody to get the details on what had happened. How how did this happen? Why did this happen? Who did this? I mean, these these thoughts were going through our minds and, and we were trying to think of what happened. Just and and it didn't really sink in that they were gone yet. But now um, we did talk to the police and they said, yes, we are interviewing Chris. So that answered the question of four were dead and one was alive. So we wanted to be with Chris. We wanted to get to Chris as soon as we could. And for some reason, the police were not helping us do this. That reason would soon become clear. But the Vaughns were simply left to search for their son. We didn't know what kind of condition he was in. He did sustain two gun wounds. We didn't know where. We knew he wasn't dead and he was walking around, so it couldn't have been life-threatening. But the imagination is a terrible thing when you are near a traumatic incident. So Pierre and I drove away from the media circus from Chris's house and pulled into the clubhouse parking area in the front by the pool. We again called the state police to see if they could trace the cab that they had called for Chris and to find out where they had dropped Chris at. The police called back. Chris had been dropped off at the Fairfield Inn just off Route 30 back in Joliet. We were now in Oswego, so we drove to the Fairfield Inn and there was no Christopher. you gotta remember he's he's in a open hospital gown with a pair of underwear on uh, and and hospital booties and he's you know his wrist is bandaged his legs bandaged and um you know they hadn't changed the bandage since the hospital treated him in that 9 30 in the morning they'd later find out that shortly after telling the Vaughns to leave the police put Chris Vaughn in a cab, alone, without a phone, at 1.40 a.m. He wasn't told his parents had actually been at the station. And they knew that you were in town. They knew that you had begged to see him. They, you had given them your cell phone, and they just put him out on the street? They called him a cab, and... I guess he had his wallet or a credit card with him or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, they put it, they gave, they, he got a cab and uh, um, they told the cab driver to take him to a hotel and he went through three or four hotels before, you know, because you come walking in in a hospital gown with a bloody leg and they're not going to exactly take you in. You'll recall that police claimed Chris was dropped at a Fairfield Inn, but Gail and Pierre found him at a Motel 8. 
We asked Chris why he had been in the Motel 8 when the cab dropped him at the Fairfield. His reply was that Motel 8 was the only one out of three that would let him have a room seeing the way he was dressed. So this meant that the cab dropped him off the Fairfield and he walked in and they turned him away. He walked into the next one, they turned him away. And the Motel 8 was the only one that uh, allowed him to get a room. He told the guy he'd pay him double to, to stay in the room. So he went in there and, and crashed. Gail and Pierre were finally able to locate their son at the motel. We hugged him. He appeared to be in a state of shock. His skin was cold and clammy. There was, there was very little color in his face. His eyes were glazed and dark. It, it, it was like his pupils were dilated. They, they, his eyes just weren't, I mean, uh, he was wearing two hospital gowns. Underwear and hospital booties when we found him. The gauze from his leg wound was loose and bloody. Um, we went back into the hotel room, the Motel 8, and I left Pierre with Christopher. And I immediately went to the store to buy him clothes, shoes, and bandages. Pierre sat there. They sat in the dark. Chris said he didn't want any lights. All I mean, he he just he was hiding. He he didn't know what to do. His world had collapsed. Um. So Pierre sat with Chris. He hugged Chris. They really did not speak at this point. All he did, all Pierre did, was just hold him. Pierre did not push for answers at this time. Because Chris was in a daze. Quite a bit of shock, you know, to see your your son limping and, and bloody bandages. And at the time, he had long hair, and it was it was just befuddled. It was all over the place, and he was he was ghost white, pale, and dark circles around his eyes, and he just. Yeah, it was just a bad scene. Pierre sat with his son, watching him try to process what had happened, while also dealing with his own emotions as a father and grandfather. I stayed there and talked with him, and, and you know, he just one-word answers. Then he finally, uh, he, he asked me, he says, he says, they told me my Kim and the kids are dead and they're gone. And I says, yeah. And I says, that's what they told us too. And he says, and he paused a long time. He says, well, he says, everything's gone then. He says, I have no reason to continue, no reason to have a house job. You know, my family's gone. I have nothing. So at that moment, he was, he was at rock bottom. As we've stated in previous episodes, Chris had apparent gaps in his memory in regard to the sequence of events, which fostered almost immediate suspicion among the investigators. His parents attributed his demeanor to the stress and shock of what he'd just experienced. Gail and Pierre shifted their focus to taking care of their son as supportive parents. Pierre talked to Chris about his physical wounds, and just mostly sat in silence, just 
being there with him. I returned with clothes, flip-flops, and wound cleaners and bandages, and we washed Chris up, helped him put on his clothes. We assisted him in changing his bandages on his left wrist and left thigh. We left Motel 8 and went back to Target to fill a prescription for antibiotics. He had received a script for from the emergency room. When the prescription was filled, we left. We found a restaurant serving breakfast as well as lunch. We ordered, but not much was eaten. We checked into a Holiday Express Saturday and, and watched TV together, not really seeing what was on the screen. You will find multiple incidences of Chris Vaughn's allegedly self-inflicted bullet wounds to his left wrist and leg, described as superficial injuries. His parents disagree. His wrist was probably the least one. Because we thought possibly the bullet had ricocheted off of the the band of his watch that he had, so it just kind of skittered down his skin. Yeah. It It didn't go through his wrist. No, it, it went perpendicular to his wrist and his bone and stuff like that and made a nice gash in there. Now, his wound to his leg. That was a different matter. That's a different matter because that was a true and true wound. Luckily, it went on the outside of the bone instead of the inside of the bone because if it had gone on the inside of the bone, it would have hit the main artery and he wouldn't be here today. But it went through and through on the left side, come out the back side of his thigh. And sometime during the week between that and the funeral, I took him into a doctor and the doctor pulled 36 inches of gauze out of the wound hole. They had packed it full of gauze. Christopher Vaughn was wounded, had lost his entire family, and, according to the law, was supposed to have had the presumption of innocence. He just had a glassy stare and just stared off in space and... But he was with us, so, you know, as long as he was with us, that was okay. We went back to the hotel. He went in for another interrogation talk. And then the next day, he went in again. And after that, we headed back to St. Louis, Missouri, to our home. There are many key and controversial moments of the initial interrogations. But at the time... Gail and Pierre had no idea to the extent of the questioning Chris had endured until later when they viewed the tapes, which they've shared with us. Pierre Vaughn believes the aggressiveness of the interrogation was meant to serve a very specific purpose. To break him down even further, it's kind of like boot camp in the military. They wear you out so bad that you submit to their orders. And I think that's what they did. I mean, when you question a guy from 10 o'clock in the morning till two o'clock the next morning, 18 hours or whatever it was, 20 hours of questioning, you know, you're gonna break down his resistance and that's what they tried to do. But according to the transcripts of the police tapes, he never did. That was never presented at the trial.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Here are some of the excerpts of the questioning of Vaughn after the shootings, while he was still clad in a hospital gown and bleeding. I don't remember. I, I got in and... I don't, I don't even know if I was putting my seatbelt on or, or what. And then I, once I saw my leg, I, I don't know, I, I, I think I stopped thinking. Did you see a gun in your hand? No, I don't even remember seeing her. I just got in and I just, I, I don't remember, I don't remember even looking around. But I just... I just got out. Do you remember something else you told me that happened that you did or you said after you felt the the the, the injury to your leg? I was gonna go for help. Okay. You remember you saying that? Not particularly, but I remember. I don't. I don't know if I said it or if I meant to say it, but that was where I was headed. Okay, but you said you said it to her. Okay. I'm I'm only telling you, I'm repeating back to you what you told me. Well, you guys asked exactly how, and I don't remember 
if I said, Kim, I'm going for help, I'm going for help. I, I don't remember other than I'm going for help. Did you say it the way you're talking now? Real soft, like a little girl. Talk up. Here again is Pierre Vaughn. Well, you'd have to look at the beginning of the tape when he, they first brought him back from the hospital and they start talking to him and everything like that. They were asking him questions and he was kind of in shock because he'd been shot. Um, he had, he kept asking, where's Kim? Where's the kids? Where's Kim? Where's the kids? And they wouldn't tell him. They wouldn't tell him. And that went on for quite a while. So finally they told him, you know, he, he, he told him, he says, well, unless you tell me where Kim and the kids are, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. So that's when, you know, the nice policeman said, you killed all your family. They're dead. And then they laid out the pictures. And he said, no, that's that's not true. You know, he says, they're not dead. And he says, yes, they are. And they, they kept pushing the pictures back in front of him and, you know, accusing him of doing it. As a side note, during that interrogation, Chris could have blamed his wife, but he didn't. Pulling it over, over and over. The only thing I can think of is it. Kim somehow got a hold of my gun. And there was, there was nobody around, and they're all gone. Okay. And I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think she's capable of that. Okay. Something private investigator Bill Clutter pointed out during one of our interviews. As I started going through the transcripts of those interviews, I was beginning to see there were a number of times when the detectives would try to get Chris to point the finger at Kimberly for having done this. And he just was reluctant to go there. When he was given the opportunity to to blame his wife, he defended her and, and just found it impossible to believe that she would kill her own children. So if this is a person that had staged all this with the intent of leading the police to believe that his wife had committed this as a murder-suicide, I mean, detectives gave him every opportunity to uh, bite on that, and he just never did. Why do you think she would shoot you? I can't imagine why she would do that. I, I can't imagine her doing that. I don't know. Okay. I, I mean, we had our words the night before, and she still didn't know about the weekend. And I, I have no idea. I mean, it, we, had, we had plans all summer. Bill had Dr. Terry Killian, a forensic psychiatrist, examine the footage of the entire interrogation. His professional opinion was that Chris exhibited signs of dissociative amnesia, which would have been difficult to fake. Despite their attempts to break Chris down over the duration of the police interview, he stuck to the story that he could not remember, and the police stuck to their narrative. Tell me you're a lucky guy. I want to hear it. Tell me you're a lucky guy. Say, I'm a lucky guy because I didn't die today. 
I don't think that's true. You're a lucky guy, Chris. You didn't die today. Guess what? You're gonna live. These people here, they ain't here no more. Gone, dead. Your kids. What's her name? Sandy. This is Sandy. How old is Sandy? Is this the way you remember Sandy looking? This morning? Did she look just like this? What did she look like? Her hair was shorter. How else was it? What did she look like when she died? What do you think she looked like when she died? How about Abigail? What did she look like? Did she look like this? Did she look like this before she died today? Did she? What do you think? Did she have that same look on her face when she died today? Is that the way she looked? I can't even. You can't think. How about Blake? Looks just like you. Did he look like that today when you killed him? I didn't kill him. Did you kill him? No. Did you kill Blake? No. Did you kill your wife? No. Did you kill anybody? No. But they're all dead. Right? That's what you said. That's what I'm telling you happened. They're all dead. They're not here. But lucky Chris is still here. Not so lucky. Not so lucky? Why not? Why aren't you so lucky? Everything that I live Everything you live for, it's gone. But guess what? You're still here. That's pretty lucky. Here again is Pierre. Finally, he pushed the pictures away and he shut down. I mean, he he would just keep denying that he killed him and, and that he'd, he'd answer the questions and tell him, he told him, he says, you know, after we pulled off on the road, he says, I got out to check check the truck and he says after that he says I do not remember anything he says the next thing I remember is I'm walking along the road and a guy taps me on the shoulder and police wouldn't accept that they you know well how how can you shoot your wife and kids and not remember that basically he shut down if you're not going to believe me I'm not going to talk to you type thing and he gets that from me I mean if if I talk to people and they're not listening to me I I don't talk to him anymore. Would you do it again? I didn't do it. Would you do it again? I didn't do it. Would you do it again? You keep repeating. How did you do it? I didn't do it. Did they see it? I didn't do anything. Did they see it when you did it? What? I'm done talking. Did you see it? I'm... Did you see it? Did you see their face? I'm done talking. Did you see their faces when they did it? Huh? I'm done talking. Huh? Don't, don't shut down on me. This is the new Chris, remember? I answered your question. Chris, man up. I this is the new Chris. I lost everything. But you have everything now. No. You may have lost things in the past, but what do you have now? Nothing. But you get to start anew, don't you? You're reborn again. No. The new Chris. Right? No. Yes, you do. But you know what, Chris? Put your head down. Keep it down. Because that's where it belongs. Mm -hmm. The shame. The shame of it all, Chris. I just don't want to hear what you have. The shame of it all. I've been over this. The shame of it all. Go ahead and put your head back down. I'd be shamed too. If I did what you did, I'd be shamed. I'd put my head down. I'm just done talking. I would put my head down. Go ahead and put your head back down. Shameful. But that's old, Chris. I have nothing to be ashamed of. I didn't do anything. Shameful. After everything, they let Chris go, but the police were far from being done with him. He was followed constantly. 
they had a tail on him and us at all times. They had an unmarked car. They knew exactly where we were. They knew exactly what rooms we were staying in and, and everything. They, they tailed us all the way coming back to the Missouri state line. And then the next day, when it seemed as if Chris had already hit rock bottom, things would continue to get worse. It wasn't until we got Chris back to our house. And then while we were making the funeral arrangements, stuff like that, the state police called us and they wanted to talk to Chris and I again. And I said, okay, well, come over and talk to us. You know, this is our address. And he said, no, you got to come over there. Well, we had to go over to across the state line in Illinois because they had no jurisdiction. And if, you know, I didn't figure out this out till later, but if Chris had said something or admitted something, they could have arrested him right there in Illinois because they had jurisdiction. If they came over to our side of the river, they had none. In spite of everything, the Vaughn still trusted the police at that point and in the presumption of innocence. They also felt they had nothing to hide. So we went over there and talked to him again on the way back, Chris more or less told me, he says, Dad, he says, I think they're going to try to end this on me. And I said, well, you know, I says, you don't have anything to worry about because you didn't do it. And he says, well, that's not what they think. And then that's about all that was said about it. Because he, he was still much in a state of shock trying to figure things out. And neither one of us knew what to do. And it turns out there was very little that could be done. It was at this point that Christopher Vaughn was no longer just a grieving father and spouse. He was the primary suspect in the murders of his wife and children. Called his feet tonight, no night flight tonight, swollen eyes tonight. On the next murder in Illinois, as Chris Vaughn prepares to place his wife and children in their graves. I absolutely saw him crying. I saw him trying to hold it together around people, but you could just see pain emanating from him. Handcuffs are placed on his wrists. There was 14 different policemen standing there, and they immediately handcuffed him. And write him his rights and tell him he's being arrested for the murder of his family. Murder in Illinois is a production of iHeartRadio. Executive producers are Lauren Bright Pacheco and Taylor Shacoin. Written by Lauren Bright Pacheco and Matthew Riddle. Story editing by Matthew Riddle. Editing and sound design by Evan Tyre and Taylor Shacoin. Featuring music by Cicada Rhythm, with new compositions engineered and mixed by Evan Tyre and Taylor Shacoin. Archived news reports provided by WGN.
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get the stories that matter to you. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm late. I'm late. For a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.